Before we get going, here's the bit where I remind you that nothing we discussed should be considered as investment advice. This conversation is for informational and hopefully entertainment purposes only. So while we hope you find it both informative and entertaining, please do your own research or speak to a financial advisor before putting a dime of your money into these crazy markets. You're about to listen to a special preview edition of the Grant Williams podcast. The subject at hand is Australia, its banks, its politics, its relationship with China, and above all, its property market. When we recorded this edition, there was an election looming and pressure was mounting on the RBA to raise rates. And we wondered what the future held in store for the central pillar of the Australian economy. Since then, Anthony Albanese's Labour Party have ousted the incumbent Liberals in a shock vote, and everything is more uncertain than ever before. Every episode of the Grant Williams podcast, including The Endgame, The Super Terrific Happy Hour, The Narrative Game, This Week in Doom, and the new series Shifts Happen, is available to copper and silver tier subscribers at my website, grant-williams.com. Copper tier subscribers get access to all the podcasts, while members of the silver tier get both the podcasts and my monthly newsletter, Things That Make You Go Hmm. So, if you enjoy what you hear on the show and you want more high-quality content like it, then please make your way over to grant-williams.com and join our exciting community today. And now, on with the show. Tarek, mate, uh, really good to see you. Thanks so much for doing this. Um, it's evening here, it's morning there. You're, you're a day ahead of me, and some would, by the end of this, probably guess you're years ahead of me, but we'll, we'll, we'll prove that beyond a reasonable doubt in the next hour or so. So thanks for taking the time to do this. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here, mate. I'm a big fan. Well, thank you. Australia is a, is, a, is a place that I love dearly. It's a market I find fascinating, not just in the kind of equity and bond markets, but also obviously the housing market, something I've written and presented about numerous times. And I wanted to take this opportunity with a general election looming in Australia that could have some fairly meaningful consequences to really give people an understanding of what Australia is, how the market functions, what's important to Australians, how we kind of got there, and kind of take it from there because I just think it's such an interesting place and it's it's underappreciated in, in many, many ways. Yeah, Australia is really just an interesting juxtaposition of different factors. Like, you know, there's the the sort of, shall we say, popular conception of Australia as this place of, you know, lovely white sand beaches as far as the eye can see, you know, you know the, the things the things you sort of see in tourism commercials or on you know mo- movies that are that are set in Australia. You know, there's this idea that we're all this very very laid laid back. You know, very, you know, we all just gather around the Barbie on a Saturday and all <laughs> that sort of thing. And you know, it's it's all it's all a little bit stuck in you know stuck in the nine in the 1980s, a little bit crocodile Dundee in some ways. <laughs> and I think that there are certain people who still see us like that. But I, I think that in the in the modern world, Australians have become a little bit more high strung. We're a, a little bit more, you know, sort of concerned about things than we than we perhaps used to be. And I think that COVID really sort of laid bare some of the weaknesses that Australia does have, both in our in our markets and in our society. But only for a very brief moment before the the, the switch was flipped, and we had we got basically what was one of the largest stimulus packages mm. in the world relative to GDP. And, you know, basically it was, you know, the lucky country is the lucky country again. And, you know, our luck is never going to run out because that is one of the, the sort of defining factors of government policy and even just, you know, popular perception here in Australia. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's what, 25? 
five years and counting, 19, no, 22 years and counting. 1990, 91 was the last recession down there, I think I'm right. Yeah, so, excluding, so, excluding well, COVID, it's like 30, over 30 so years 30, ago. Yeah, 31 years now uh, and counting, which is, which is remarkable. Um, but it also means that obviously that there is zero preparedness for any kind of recession, right? And you spoke there about that switch being flipped and, and there's there's been this tendency in Australia for the government to leap at any sign of there being any weakness in the economy. Uh, but but let's talk about why that is, why, why Australian policymakers are so worried about there being any kind of downturn. Well, they're, they're concerned about it just for, for the reasons that you mentioned, just in the sense that we, ha- we haven't had a recession for so long. We have no experience of it. You know, in terms of people who have been born in Australia or lived in Australia for, for, through that, that period, people haven't experienced it. So if and when we do experience a shock without that level of, not if, well, it's obviously a case of when, but when we do experience that, that kind of shock in the, in the future, people will have no conception of what, of what that shock is like, how long it will last, what the severity will be, what the knock-on effects will be. So the government really, really wants to avoid that. And then there's also just, you know, there's, there's the housing market side of things because really that is the driver of, of policy and it's also just that the Australian government is unimaginative, shall we say? Like there's a there's an old there's an old saying from a from a book. I forget exactly who said it, but you know Australia is a is a lucky country run by second rate people who share its luck. Yeah, Donald Horn. Donald yes, Horn wrote that. Yes, I, exactly. I quoted it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Yes, exactly. And that is that is really just what the way our government functions. Like for example, if you look at things in say say real household disposable income per capita, for example, that has basically up until COVID flatlined for the past six or seven years. Now that is an extremely uncommon thing, even in places that are not doing too well economically, you know, but basically what's happened here in Australia is that we've relied on immigration to pump headline GDP growth numbers. Yeah. Like, it, you know, I believe it was Shane Oliver, uh, who Shane Oliver from who was an Australian economist from AMP who did an analysis that basically showed that if you look at things in per capita terms, Australia's actually had plenty of recessions between 1991 and now, but we don't allow that to happen in headline terms. We just bring in more people, jack up immigration, and that's you know very much the modus operandi for the for the political class. But but you know you, you've touched on housing there, and again this is something that I've written about and have observed firsthand you know when i first came down to australia to live i i couldn't believe the strength in the housing market and that was you know 15 years ago the prices didn't make any sense whatsoever to me back then um and you know since then it's just been a one-way ticket to the moon and and you know we saw what happened in america i was down in australia during 08 looking around me thinking geez you know this american housing market is struggling but I mean, this place has to crack. And, of course, it started to, as, as every housing market around the world did, and then the, the Howard government came out with their you know, first-time home buyers grant and threw all kinds of subsidies at the housing market to try and keep it going. Let's talk a little bit about the background of this and, and how and why housing became such an important component of the Australian economy. Well, considering Australia's status as a migrant nation, housing has always been important. You know, we've always, you know, housing, particularly housing construction, you know, for example, today it employs 12% of Australians directly or indirectly. So, you know, obviously that is a huge, a huge component in Australia's economic growth and economic fortunes more broadly. But basically what's, what's happened is as growth has 
come down over time as the capacity for Australians to take on more household debt has basically peaked. I mean, for, for example, if you look at a graph of Australian household debt, most of it happened prior to 2008, indexed right. to GDP. So, you know, that was the huge big ramp up. That was the explosive, you know, say, for example, cuts in interest rates. That was the explosive growth in Australian housing prices, which has obviously continued, but that's what underpinned it. But it was also accompanied by economic growth during that time and strong economic growth, you know, uh, you know, real real incomes, et cetera, rose, rose quite strongly. But since then, since 2008, and particularly since the end of the mining boom in 2011, 2012, we've become increasingly reliant on well, what the what the Reserve Bank would call the wealth effect, you know, that has become an increasingly present thing in their in in their various reports, in their various outlooks, and basically, you know, we we want household wealth to grow, and Australians are not big stockholders relative to other nations. We are all about housing. So, in order to pump the economy, you pump housing, and how and you know, and that makes people spend. But that, that brings us to a, what I would consider in, in this day and age a uniquely Australian thing, which is what, what we call in Australia equity mate, which, which is basically people withdrawing cash from, from their homes, using their homes as an ATM in order to spend within the real economy or to borrow for a business or for any number of other reasons. Now, the reason why it's called equity mate is back in the late 1990s when when people were generally still being relatively frugal, there was still the legacy of the 1990s recession. There was a campaign by the Commonwealth Bank, which is Australia's largest bank. And it, and it, was, a, it was a commercial in which there was two neighbours talking to each other. And one of them just bought a new boat. And, and the other one went over and went, how could you possibly afford that? And he goes, equity, mate. And that has been a, that has been a byword for the, the Australian economic growth model since then, because the the number of the number of people and the quantity of equity being withdrawn from Australian homes has just has skyrocketed. For example, like I mean, people look at say like the big short, they look at the number of people pulling home equity out in, in US homes in say 2005 2006 when that really peaked, and that was around about 2.6 percent of US GDP at the time. In Australia, as of the last data that I have available, which is for June of 2021, Australia was 4.6% of GDP. So it is an absolutely huge, huge driver of of growth, a a huge driver of just about everything within the economy because it's a services-based economy beyond the mining, beyond the housing. And obviously that cash just churns through and helps power the economy. So it's, it's really just a it's really just a housing powered economy in that regard. And for those of you in the States to put it into perspective with the current, well, what some people are calling home equity binge, the U S is under 1.2% of GDP. So less than a quarter of what it was according to the latest Australian statistics. It is remarkable. And this idea that we can't let housing fail, you know, we've seen this remarkable downdraft in interest rates in Australia, you know, and don't forget mortgage rates were in the 7% not that long ago, right? And we've suddenly they've cratered them all the way down to where they are. And so you've got this average house price to disposable net wealth is, you know, eight, nine times, whereas I think the US got to six, I think, in, in 2006, seven. You've seen affordability of housing drop through the floor. And the one thing that it seemed to me to keep this thing going has been the ability of the government to stimulate directly the housing market through interest rates. And, you know, they've, they've thrown, as I said before, they've thrown a few grants here and there. 
What was the Australian stimulus? The full conversation is available to subscribers to the copper and silver tiers of my website, grant-williams.com. Nothing we discussed should be considered as investment advice. This conversation is for informational and hopefully entertainment purposes only. So while we hope you find it both informative and entertaining, please do your own research or speak to a financial advisor before putting a dime of your money into these crazy markets.